Venture capital is not about driving a car, but flying a spaceship. It's all about the long-term mission. Latin America has laid the groundwork in the last years in terms of talent, capital, and market adoption. Even so, we're still in the early stage of our space exploration campaign, both in terms of what technology can do and in terms of startup exits. These are some of the reflections shared by three partners at venture capital firms. These firms invest heavily in Latin America, Isabel Galera from Canary, Marcelo Lima from Monashis, and Santiago Fosati from Kazek. We're all at the Vamos Latam Summit, our connections and knowledge flagship event. We'll share right now the chat these VCs had with Tommy Roggio, head of ventures at Latitude. They talked about what has changed for founders and investors in Latin America during the last decade, and how startups should deal with current market conditions. What Canary, Monashis, and Kazek really value in selecting startups, and what trends and verticals these VCs are excited about for the next years. My name is Brian Reckworth, and this is Latitude Podcast. Vamos Latam. Look at the last 10 years and look at what has changed in Latin America, right? The good, the bad, the ugly, from a founder's perspective. What, what would you highlight, Marcelo, if you want to start with him? First of all, hi, everyone. Uh, thanks, Tommy, for, for the invitation, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here today. It, it's a good question. We have been around for like 17 years now. I have been with the firm for 10, 13 years, so we see a lot of ups and downs. And... Important to say, I think one of the major evolution in the market, and, and this will not go back, is the quality of the teams and the founders. Uh, I think in the past it was very hard to find amazing founders and especially talent to join the companies. And I remember probably, probably Brian or Santi, they all remember this. We had in one of our boards a VP of product from Facebook. And, and I remember that once he told us, guys, don't take me wrong, but the quality of the talent here is on a different level. You guys are not playing the college basketball, not, not even NBA. And there is a huge of a gap. And I think he was right, but that was only the picture, not the movie. The reality is Brazil, Argentina, Mexico, Colombia, there is a lot of talent. And the talent was only going to other things, consulting, banking, multinationals. And now this talent is joining companies, companies like Latitude, Creditas, Flash, Loft. And, and this is very good or creating their own company. So I think that was the major transformation, the first. The second was access to capital. So when we started, when a company would get money from Kazakh, Monashi, several times we would say, there's no, no stage finance in Latin America. So... You have to see this as the latch check, maybe a follow-on, not more than that. And today we see founders like Series B, C's, D's, and E's. And now, of course, now there is an adjustment. We will talk more about this. But the adjustments going back to like 2014, 15, that was the status quo. But today there is way more capital, way more funds, spending time coming. They have companies in the portfolio. And I think on top of that, we have a huge market both B2C, B2B, consumers, smartphone penetration. We have companies actually buying a lot of software. And 10 years ago, this was completely different. And if I stop now, the next question would be, but how about the exits? The other thing that we have, and we heard this from our LPs for almost 10 years, yeah, but how about the exits? So finally, now we're having exits, like M&As, IPOs, local IPOs, NASDAQ, NASDAQ IPOs. So... All of this is a, it's kind of 
the wheels got in motion and it, it took like 10, 15 years. And now, even though there is a correction, the long term, it's, it's positive. Thank you, man. And yeah, we'll get into, into some of those topics later. Sandy, any perspectives on, on this? Yeah. So I totally agree with everything that Marcelo said. It's completely different game. In our case, we've been part of the ecosystem for 23 years. And in 2000, there was when my partner started Mercado Libre, there were no people online in Latin America. And 2010, perhaps, I don't know, 20, 30% of the population was online, but nobody had a smartphone. So the use of technology was much less widespread. And what had happened, it's funny because we went back to our first deck at CASEC from 2011. And we had this slide where we said, okay, the value of all of the public tech companies in Latin America this time, it was $5 billion. And we tried to make a guess and project and say, okay, 10 years from now, this could be $100 billion. And it sounded crazy at the time. And <laughs> when we did this analysis, when it got to 10 years, the number was $120 billion. So it was even larger than our widest dream. So that's what would happen with the ecosystem. Everything is positive. Like these tech companies become the best brands in technology in Latin America, Mercado Libre, Nubank, Cava, Pintondar, Credit, as many others. And they're among the best companies, tech companies in the world. And that was unthinkable in 2011. Like today, the best new bank in the world is from Latin America. The best e-commerce company outside of the US and China is from Latin America. It's amazing. And I think that we all agree here, there's a correction going on, but this is only the beginning. The, what technology can da, do to people's lives, we still have not seen a fraction of that. So uh, 10 years from now, I don't want to give a number of what would be the magnitude of the impact, but I'm sure that the top five or top 10 top companies in Latin America will be technology companies. So we, we are still in the very beginning of this ecosystem, but the evolution was much more than what we dreamt. I remember also meeting with Marcelo in 2018 in his office, and we were discussing, I don't know, Mercado Libre was worth $10 billion at the time. And I told him, like, imagine when one of our companies get there, remember, and many got there. So it's, it's always surpassing our expectations. So very, very excited. Thanks, Santi. Bill, do you have, with your perspective, you've been investing in Canary for several years now, um, what's what's your take on, on this? Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, nice to, very nice to be here. Tommy, thank you for the invitation. Uh, we're so honored to be partner of Latitude since the beginning, too. Um, I've been around, Canary has been around since uh, 2017, so a bit later, right? Uh, those guys have started much earlier, so I'm privileged to be, uh, to be landing in more fertile soil in 2017. But uh, I'll go back to our premises when we started Canary. That I think those um, really resonate with, uh, you know, development and maturity of the ecosystem. When we started in 2017, we knew there was a wave of very talented people leaning towards tech, tech companies, either taking the risk and starting their own companies or uh, joining teams that were already starting. So for us, from 2017... Canary's deal flow, like we call the teams that uh, we analyze to 
basically part of our investment process. We were analyzing 30 deals per month in 2017. Today, how, how many? 30, three zero. So, and that has changed a lot today. And that was like 100% of the, the teams that actually knocked on our door or we had uh, access to. Today, we're talking to analyzing 300, so 10 times better, higher than 2017. And that means like a small percentage of the deals that actually uh, that we actually have access to or are in our radar. So the deal flow has increased a lot. That means that talented people are willing to take risks, are willing to build huge companies in, in Latin America as a whole. And the other thing was, well, capital, I'm sure will will be uh, double uh, down in that topic. But uh, when we started in 2017, there were, well, <laughs> only a few funds, like global funds, really willing to take the risk in Latin America. Now it's different. I know we're currently in a market state that is not necessarily the, the highest uh, point, but uh, I'm sure we are much better in terms of number of funds and willingness to invest in Latin America than we were in 2017. And again, I only have like five, six years uh, since we started operating those two, Monashis and Kazakh, They've been around for long, for longer, so um, I, and I'm to, I totally agree with Santi. We're still in the starting point. Uh, everything that we can build in Latin America. Amazing, thanks, Bill. Talking about the correction now, right? Like I, we have this, the app of events. You can ask questions there. I was checking the the questions, and the top five of them refer to the to the current context of the markets, right? And many early stage founders here just anxious in terms of what does it mean. What are the implications? How long could this be? I won't ask you to give me an answer to that question. Uh, and then especially what's, what, what's a, what can founders do, right? How can they react to? Maybe Marcelo, if you can start. Thank you. By, by the way, he just landed from the US in Sao Paulo like an hour ago. So thanks for being here too. But, but yeah. No, it's okay. Thanks. And yeah, I think probably in all this current panels, the, the discussion is about the adjustments. We're all seeing it. And first of all, looking for the short term, and I think it's very important to understand that there's a reset in the market. There is less capital available. There is risk, less risk appetite. So it's important for companies to try to optimize burn, cut costs, try to extend runway. And, and the fact is a lot of funds, they have a lot of dry powder. So the capital is there. The big, big billion dollar question is how long it's going to take for us to get back to our normal capital deployment rhythm. Nobody knows. So if you have time, it's going to be better for you to navigate this storm. So it's looking for your costs, looking for your runway, looking for your valuation and try to buy time. And, and this means like, it's not that you are going to stop growing or anything like that. It's just being very smart about how you're building the business, focusing more on the unit economics, the fundamentals, your burn. And that said, and I was mentioning this, in 2014-17, we saw Brazil in its worst economic crisis. And companies were still growing, but our advice for the company was like, there's no stage finance in Brazil, so... You have to control your destiny. The best way to control your destiny is not to be profitable, is to have a break-even optionality. 
So you see the next fund raising as an option, not as a need. If capital is available, you raise. If it's not, you keep executing. Of course, not all the companies have this optionality. It's more like Series C's, D's, Z's. On the early stage, you have to do is guarantee that you have a business and business depends on unit economics and sustainability and have time. That said, and this is short term, there are a few companies in our portfolio that are very well capitalized that actually the advice is the opposite. It's no competition, a lot of capital, M&As in the market. So now it's a time to be slightly more aggressive and use the cries in your favor. But this is, as I mentioned, more the exception than the rule. But one thing we, we can never forget, this is a long-term game. It's not a short-term game. So I was talking about short-term, and we say that VC is not driving a car. So when you're driving a car, you pay attention to the road, and you change the direction, you even hit the brakes. We like to say we're in the business of flying a spaceship, so it's long-term, and we pay attention on the mission. We pay attention on the planets. So as Santi mentioned, a lot of amazing opportunities. Our pace is the same. So we are going to do the same number of deals that we planned in January that we did last year. So capital is going to be there. For startups, it's more how you react in the short term to guarantee that you will be there. And regardless of the capital, I think there was a lot of crazy things happening in the last two years that shouldn't happen. So now it's, it's also good to have this discipline to guarantee that after all this thing, regardless of capital, you have an amazing business that will outlast you. Makes sense. Uh, thanks for that. Sandy, I know you usually cold water on, on these type of things, but what's your perspective on the, on the market? Yeah, so the way that we see it is that what was weird was the last two years. But what we are living today is an amazing year for technology in Latin America by every, every metric that you might look at, except when you compare it with 2021. But 2020, 2021, capital was free and a lot of things in our economic system broke for a while. So valuations went through the roof. And now we are back to normal, back to the mean. If you look at, I don't know, fintech multiples, software as a service multiples, they were doing like this and then they did like this and now they are back to the same trajectory that they had in 2018-19. So I think that there was a lot of uh, entrepreneurs that, as Marcelo saying, are playing the long game and this is obviously a challenging time because capital is going down. This is a regression to the mean thirds, but they are thriving in this ecosystem and those who were feeling... It, it was easier or they, they are back to realizing how hard it is to build one of these legendary companies. And again, we were saying this, we want to have the 10 largest companies in Latin America being tech companies. I don't think this crisis changed everything in, towards that objective. I think that, of course, you need to adapt. Market is different. Capital is more expensive. Valuations are lower. And you need to thrive in this new environment. And it's much harder to thrive now than last year where everything was getting funded. So definitely most challenging, but part of the cycle. And uh, those who thrive are the ones who uh, will build the legendary company. So no, not very different to what we were seeing in 2018 or 19 in Latin America. Just it's, it's different to the last two years. Thanks, uh, Thanks Andy. 
Well, we'll have Julio from from Atlantico uh, showing the showing the the report uh, later. So you got some very good insights, and I think many of them are aligned to what Santi was saying. But as a pre-seed and early seed investor, how, how do you see the, the this new market, and, and what, what what recommendation you have for early stage founders? Yeah, well, I, I agree hundred percent with Santi. I think uh, we're 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 seeing the the high standard deviation if we think about the last. Uh, semester of 2021 compared to now. Uh, 2021 was a huge outlier uh, from our, our point of view. So um, now we're grounded. Uh, the industry came back to be uh, maybe what it's supposed to be. Um, and uh, found, uh, our, our advice for early stage founders, for Canary Invested Founders has been, well, just like Marcelo mentioned, you have to, to increase your, your, your runway. You have to buy more time. And that's basically being more efficient, uh, focusing on unit economics, focusing on operational efficiency. Um, and most of the Canary invested companies actually are pretty product market fit. So they're more resilient. Uh, I think we're privileged in that sense in terms of timing. Uh, but of course, uh, later stage companies are suffering more, especially because of the standard deviation compared to 2021, where the music was playing that was playing was hyper growth, right? So you prepare your company, you prepare your muscles for hyper growth. And when you're not dancing the hyper growth song anymore, you have to go back and be more efficient. And we're seeing the cost of that. The cost of that are layoffs. Some of the companies, uh, some companies are not uh, be able to are not being able to actually, uh, you know guarantee in health economics. So uh, we're seeing the cost of the standard deviation. Honestly, um, I think uh, that's unfortunately part of, part of the game since the, the game that the music that was playing was hyper growth. But uh, I honestly believe the crisis make very great entrepreneurs and make very, very sustainable and great businesses as well. So we're completely optimistic uh, with uh, the, 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 the future uh, for tech companies, we totally believe that the next generation of great companies in, in Latin America are going to be tech companies. Hopefully, canary backed companies too. Hey there. Are you learning some good lessons in this episode? I hope so. The founders and angel investors we have on our fellowship programs learn things like this throughout the entire experience. In the Explore Fellowship, we help you kick off your next big idea. With the Angel Fellowship, you can expand your impact as a startup investor. Be sure to check out latitude.com to find out how to apply for our fellowship programs. Now let's get back to the episode. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Val. And I think, I mean, we'll talk about this later, but all of you are still investing actively in the early stage in Latin, right? So, uh, but again, uh, we, we can share a bit more about that uh, in a bit. Marcelo, you were referring to the stage financing as one of the key differences in the ten, last 10 years, right? Like downstream capital being available, Canary, uh, Kasek or Monash is not being the, the last check. Um, but it, I mean, there's still, I mean, and that improved, of course, but there's still like a, a big question out there, which is, okay, how much downstream capital is there out there, right? After after you folks, you know, how does the company bridge from that C to Series A to a liquidity event in seven, 10 years? Um and of course, in the, in the last year with some companies coming, with some funds pulling back, such as SoftBank, that, that question is out in the air again. So if we can maybe, if you have any thoughts about that, uh, I think it's, it's worth double-clicking there. How do you see that in the, maybe in the next 10 years? 
And actually, we had our LP meeting yesterday, and that was one of the questions. Is like, okay, SoftBank was the major investor in the region, Tiger. How about now? How about downstream capital? And I think the answer is, in 2014-15, there were like five, six funds in the region. When Brazil entered the crisis mode, everybody disappeared. It was very, very hard to fundraise. And, and we did this analysis to see the breakdown of capital between all the funds. There are like dozens of funds spending time in the region with portfolio companies coming to Brazil, going to Mexico. It's like, it's a completely different order of magnitude than 2004-15. So I think there's still a lot of capital available for good companies. Maybe the bar is slightly higher, but if you have a good business, if you're playing the long term, capital will be there. Uh, and in several cases, in term sheets that were won by a few of these names that you mentioned, these companies had other term sheets as well. They got like three, four term sheets and they decide to partner sometimes with SoftBank, sometimes with Tiger and a few others because they saw the value. So I, I believe that it's good that we have a fragmentation with a lot of new investors uh, and they're here. They're still coming. They're still excited. And if we compare Latin America with Asia, for example, India, Indonesia, it's like they also have a lot of capital. Maybe they have more funds active than, than here, but the, the GDP here is higher. The income per capita It's just in a great, great combination of GDP, smartphone user base, income level per capita. So, of course, we pay a lot of attention to potential funds, level of capital. But if you do your job, the consequence is you will have investors interested in your business. And it's good for us that finally Latin America is in the map. So if you talk with the major funds in the Valley or in Asia, they talk about Latin America. They send people here. So we continue to be excited, cautious, optimistic about capital being available. Thanks. Sandy Bell, any comments on that? Uh, sure, sure. No, it's funny because that's the same question that we got 11 years ago when we started CASEC. Yeah. <laughs> and our answer was, we strongly believe that great companies will be able to fundraise. At that time, we did not have the evidence, but it was what happened. Even during the hardest times, the crisis in Latin America, international investors pulling back, the new banks, the Quinto and others, they were able to fundraise creditors consistently. And of course, there were less competition for this, less term sheet, but also less competition for clients. So in a way, I think these things, great companies and great entrepreneurs will figure them out. It's not what really worries us. Well, for me, I think the answer is straightforward. Santi and Marcelo can lead the rounds after Canary, right? And uh, well, they're here. So, uh, but jokes aside, uh, we're seeing a lot of interest from global funds as well. Uh, that that shifted very quickly from the last couple of years to, to today. So, uh, to give you an example, yesterday Canary held a, a, an event, a summit for invested companies alone, and we invited global funds uh, that could lead uh, subsequent rounds to join. There were tons of them, of investors, global investors here in Brazil, here in Sao Paulo, just for the event. And um, 
that means their interests. I mean, Brazil is not a close country to, to cities in the U.S., nor Europe, nor, ch nor China, nor Korea. But all of those investors came um, for our, our event, which is one example alone. But every week in our office, we have events from, again, global funds willing to meet with invested companies. They're doing the research. They have capital. They have willingness to invest in the region. So we're very excited that more, uh, more funds, literally a higher number of funds, long-term thinkers are coming and are willing to invest. We're going through a, a global crisis right now, right? So that's why, you know, things are moving slower, let's say like that. But we're very excited. Thanks, Sonia. We're lucky to be yesterday at Conrad's event. And this event, I think, like, starting to, to build also this, this kind of invitations for them to come down in person. That's good. And switching gears here for a second, from a more personal note, right? You've been investing, all of you, for more than five years. What kind of makes your eyes shine? What, what, what makes you light up in this job? You know, like, of course, it's working with founders, but what is, what is it that after 10 years, five years, keeps getting you excited, you know, when dealing with this, with these entrepreneurs? Uh, and if you want to use a specific case, uh, that's, that always helps. Yeah. Uh, I would say it's like usually three things. The first one is really, and, and we, we do research, we prepare our minds, but just enough to encounter great entrepreneurs. So I think the first thing that is amazing is when we sit in front of an amazing founder and, and we leave the meeting with a lot of energy, excitement, and he kind of changed our point of view or the way that we thought about something. We feel the ambition, we feel everything, and we get the conviction. Of course, there's still a lot of work to do. Like, for example, case of Flash, when we studied the benefit space and we had a lot of doubts if it was possible or not and spent 30 minutes with them and we left the meeting like, These guys will do it. So this is just amazing about our job is to meet with someone that has been studying that thing or living that thing for years or months. And in a few minutes, they can make you so excited about it. So this is the first thing. The second is when you really do your job, there is helping founders. And it's very easy to be an investor when things are doing well. It's challenge when things are not going well and you can really help and add value. Like now, for example, in the, in the current environment, in our case, for example, we did an investment in a company called Neon. Two days after the PR, Central Bank shut down their kind of their, the license of their bank partner. And there were like three days working nonstop with the team to really help them to navigate. So it's a kind of amazing part of our job. It's really feel that it's not about the money. It's about helping. And then the last thing is about see the impact. Like, see that what founders are doing, the ambition is turning into kind of reality. Like, for example, 99, we invest in the early days, like seed. And then a few years later, almost no tax stands in Brazil anymore. And, and suddenly they were acquired. So seeing the impact, the exit is part of it, but sometimes it's smaller. It's like you talk with customers, Like not early adopter, like my mother using a product that a customer is uh, a founder is designing. So this is the amazing part of our job is be excited, be able to help and, and see the impact in the in, in the world at the end of the day. Thank you, man. Yeah. No. Okay, I'll go. Um, I'm going to give you an example that can seem romantic, but please know that our job is not romantic at all. But, uh, 
yeah, m- my personal, well, what lights me up personally is meeting people and enabling their dreams. So um, when, when we, or myself, when I meet someone that wants to be a founder, but sometimes it still doesn't have even an idea or co-founder or still maybe in their, their, their jobs as an employee in a company. Uh, but when I know that that person wants to, to become a founder, wants to start something, and I bond with that person and I try to help that person throughout the way, throughout the discovery process, throughout the co-founder dating phase, throughout the ideation phase, throughout the validation, everything related uh, to you know the setup of starting a business. Uh, I have months or sometimes years to, to actually meet someone, to meet a person, meet a future founder and enabling hers or him, his dream. And um, well, that lights me up. It's a long-term investment. It's, uh, it's not scalable at all. But um, more than uh, 40% of Canaries invested companies um, happen. We invested because we knew that person before they had the business. And that helps us because, again... Uh, we it's easier for us to get conviction that that team is the team that we want to partner with. I have many examples. One is a company that, well, we co-invested with, with Kazakh. It's called Super. Um, Rafaela is the founder, and I met her when she was still in Kintandar as an executive. And I helped her throughout the way uh, of actually figuring out what she wanted to do. Another, another, another example of another very strong women founder is Oyakir. Uh, I met Stephanie when she was still in London before she moved to Brazil, uh, helped her throughout the way too. So for me, seeing Stephanie, Hafas, and uh, other many founders uh, actually building their companies uh, is, is amazing. And being a part of their journeys, it lights me up. So it lights me up a lot. I love that. And we were talking yesterday with a team. We, you know, we let you go with help companies incorporate, right? And And we say every time we're helping a founder incorporate, it's actually someone taking the jump and becoming an entrepreneur, right? And leaving maybe a corporate job. So, yeah, I love that. Santi, what what makes your eyes shine? Yeah, so it's many, many things. Uh, We really enjoy what we do. I think it's this combination of working closely with the same people for many, many long time, like, I don't know, our relationships are 10, 20 years. At CASEC, we are still investing new capital into companies such as Nuban, where we invested 10 years ago when it was a seed, a PowerPoint. And we probably continue our relationship with the company for 20 years. And it's that combined with making the impossible possible, like that, that thing that this industry has this type of impact, like we would have never dreamt of having a company that has 100 million customers, right? Uh, That's what really drives us, that that scale of impact. And it's every stage of the journey that we enjoy. The zero to one is amazing. The first few hires, celebrating the small things, launching the first product on an app store, getting like Apple's approval that is always a pain in the neck, like very, very small things, raising the first round and being part of that story and evolving that relationship it's it's really really amazing. Like, uh, I hear you, and uh, yeah, again, I let you. We coming before you, before Monashis and Kasek, and before Kasek, even with the fellowship, which is equity free, and we see all these folks just thinking of becoming founders, right? Founders to be, and uh, and yeah, it's amazing when 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 we see them taking that jump. 
Um, so let's get into, I think, for founders here in the audience, maybe one of the most interesting parts, right? Many early, early stage founders that maybe don't know you yet or don't have a relationship with you, folks, many times they, they ask us about insights, you know, like, are Monashis and Kasek leading seed or are the, the, the grow, the, they've grown too much already? Is uh, Canary doing seed, but also pre-seed? So I'm just making some very basic examples here, but they want to hear and understand how you're investing, especially now in the with the new market, right? So I think for me, it's like uh, now kind of di diving a bit deeper on what you're doing right now. Um, Bell Canary just raised a 100 million fund. Congrats on that. Uh, what Where does that take you? What, what are you doing right now as a, as a, in terms of deployment of the fund? Yeah, sure. Um, we yeah we raised a hundred million dollar fund last year, actually twenty twenty one, and we're investing this third vintage uh, as we speak. Canary, um, let me go back. Canary, uh, we started in two thousand and seventeen. We're a Latin focused fund. Uh, we like to lead the first round. That means that we can lead. Pre-seed, seed, series A's, whatever is the label of the first institutional round. Canary is the first leader. That's uh, our sweet spot. Um, and that can mean, uh, again, no labels, uh, first round. That can mean PPT stage. It can mean that you have a little bit of traction already. Uh, usually means that you're not, you've not reached your product market fit yet. But uh, you, you asked about the fund, um, the, the latest vintage. We see Canary as uh, a program investor investment. Uh, so uh, we start in 2017, and each two years we usually raise a new vintage. So uh, having raised this last vintage means that we're still active. We're doing our job. Uh, we're still, uh, you know, with the same strategy. Of course, more refined since we have much more information than we did in 2017. So everything that we do is refined with time. Um, uh, we our pattern uh, pattern of recognition is uh, is much more richer, uh, much more rich. Sorry, um, uh, we have more data. We have more information. We have more quality information, not only quantitative one. So we're very very excited to to have uh, to be able to. Uh, continue our, our strategy here in Latin America. It's still very early to say, state anything uh, regarding our vintages, our fund. Uh, but again, we're still in the half of the first one that started in 2017. So we know we have a long way to go and venture capital is a long-term uh, business. Um, but yeah, we're we're selective. That's great to see. Sandy, Kasek turned 10 years last year, no? Uh, congrats, you raised two very large funds, I think 1 billion in total, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, where would you say you are in the life in the, in the life of Kasek? And going back to my question, are you doing seed? Are you, what, what, what are you doing in the earliest stages? Yeah, so in terms of the strategy, we invest throughout the life of a, a company. We really like to start our relationship on the early stage. So we've done multiple deals at uh, the seed pre-seed for me is the same thing stage of companies that is just like a, a strong team with a big dream we are also very active in series a we might do a series b here and there and then we can continue deploying capital and e even leading new rounds until a company goes public so we're active through the lifetime of a company but we start on the early stage our relationship and in terms of the life of the firm I think this is something that we all share at the CASEC. It's it, what we were talking about the ecosystem. <laughs> we are at the beginning of the ecosystem. So this is uh, the first year of CASEC. What we did in the past, 
yeah, it's it, it was more than what we expected at the beginning, but it's still nothing compared to what you can do. Like, and even when you think about new technologies like cryptocurrencies, biotech, agriculture, artificial intelligence, many of the things that we do will change and will be done by tech. And we really believe that Latin America needs to be one of the strongest tech regions in the world, because if not, we will fall behind. And we are seeing the way the, the, the world's evolving. So we want to help many, many entrepreneurs continue building some of the strongest companies in the world out of Latin America. That's our ambition. And that ambition doesn't end because technology will always be more relevant. So we will always be <laughs> on the beginning of what could be built. Like This is a never-ending process. Super clear. And yeah, hopefully we'll get... We'll have Kasek and Monish in Canary for, for decades. Marcelo, you also you keep raising new funds. Uh, I know you now are investing way more actively in Hispanic, Latin America, and non-Brazil. I know you have a team in Mexico in the ground too. So a similar question. Where are you in, in the life of, of Monashis and how are you investing in the early stages, which is mo most of the audience uh, we got here today? Yeah, so, so first thinking about Latin America, since 2015, We start to deploy capital regardless where you are. It can be Brazil, Chile, Colombia. It really doesn't matter because we realized, especially with a company that we did the seed that was here presenting Rappi, is if we want to invest in the best teams in Latin America, several of them are not going to be starting in Brazil. They might start anywhere. And if we see our companies recently, 40% of the capital was deployed out of Brazil. And in several cases, Brazil becomes... A, really, a very relevant market afterwards. So it's not about where we are investing. It's more about where the company is starting. It's like Real, for example. It's starting in Colombia at the end of the day. And, and then Brian decided to come to Brazil. And we're seeing this over and over, like Tu, Frubana, Adi, Wala. And the, the boundaries between the countries in Latin America are getting smaller and smaller. So we look for the best people. And then... What we have done is to build a platform that can deliver value on top of that. So having people in the ground, on the ground, like Mexico and other parts of Latin America, of course, Zoom facilitates everything. But having a portfolio in other parts of Latin America, having LPs in other parts of Latin America. So this way we can really deliver what we promise. And, and, and this has been the strategy in the last few years is looking for teams regardless of where they are and be able to help these teams. And, and in terms of our strategy, we have two strategies. The first one is early stage is regardless if it's a seed, a pre-seed or a series A, we want to work with the best founders in moments that we believe we can help. And, and in a way that we can have relevant ownership and be able to help. So if we do a seed or a series A or a pre-seed, it doesn't matter. We will spend the same amount of time. So if it's a seed or a series A, you'll have like a partner, you have the right, the same structure for us. As in, so when we decide to do a seed, it, it's a statement for us. It's, it's a company that we, it's not an option that we are buying that maybe we'll put more capital. It's like, there's no different kind of seeds and that morning. Oh, this is the seed. This is the A or it's the same thing for us. So the, the early stage strategies look for, look for the best teams and invest. And then we have a, I will call opportunity fund. There's more to keep supporting our companies during B, Cs, or even pre-IPO rounds. So we believe, like Santi mentioned, with these two funds, we can help the fund, the companies over their kind of lifetime. 
And that relates to the to the previous question about downstream capital. With you folks growing and growing in terms of assets and the management, that's also uh, great news for the for the Latin companies. Hey there. You might be thinking about how hard it is to build a venture-backed company. Well, I know firsthand, and I made some mistakes along the way. We lost over $100 million in capital gains taxes because of the company formation mistake that I made. I don't want that to happen to you. That's why we built Latitude Go. We provide an optimal offshore structure for your startup, and we do it in record time. And guess what? It's five times less expensive as other options, and we use the same legal documents as the top-tier law firms. To find out more, check out latitude.com forward slash go. Now, let's get back to the episode. Going a bit deeper on what, you, what you're seeing in the market in terms of industries, verticals, like there's, you know, you can say, okay, there was a first wave of innovation with, with internet internet penetration, then, then mobile. Like what, what's the next kind of, you know, sector agnostic? Is it Web3? Is it AI? And then kind of maybe double-clicking in specific verticals, like, okay, we have we saw an amazing wave of B2C fintech, and we're seeing waves of B2B or infrastructure fintech. Looking at those people of different types of theses or, or industries, what, what's getting you excited right now in 20, I would say 2022, 2023? I think this is, this is especially relevant for some founders here, that founders-to-be, they're still in ideating, maybe doing the Latitude Fellowship, looking for ideas, looking for theses. What do the best funds in LATAM uh, what are you looking at, Bella, if you want to start? Yeah, sure. A few, uh, a few ideas, if you want. So. Of course. Uh, well, uh, I have to say that Canary is not a thesis-driven fund. We invest in people regardless of the industry and business models. Of course, uh, we look for businesses that can be potentially huge. So there are a couple of markets that we, we tend to go in a deeper way. But again, it's all about the people. So if someone that we like so much and that we have conviction that are going to, to build huge businesses, they can build like, something brick and mortar, like a bakery, uh, and we'll invest. So it's all about the people, honestly. Uh, but in terms of trends or uh, markets that, we, uh, that we're seeing, I'm, I'm going to give you a spoiler of the Atlantico report. Can I? <laughs> well, SMB digitization is one uh, that Julio will, and Anna will bring uh, in a couple of minutes. But yeah, we see a trend that B2B companies focusing on SMBs, the long tail of companies. And we see that because of the, or the adoption of technology of those small businesses and the inherent uh, inefficiencies, of course. So there are B2B marketplaces, there are SaaS companies uh, tackling problems and inefficiencies of SMBs, which is very exciting. And opens up uh, a huge market too. And personally, um, that's my personal opinion. Uh, something that I I'm, I care a lot about uh, doesn't necessarily have uh, converted to a lot of investments. No, yet. but yeah, go for it. Yet. That's that's idea. Uh, well, everything that is tackling climate change is very interesting. It's a global trend. All the politicians, all the states, everyone is is moving towards reducing climate change as a whole. So, and I think Brazil specifically, we have a huge leverage in terms of natural resources. So I do think that if there are huge companies using natural resources to tackle climate change, they should be Brazilian. So that's my personal opinion. I love it. And yeah, we're looking forward to seeing more climate tech or clean tech fellows in Latitude. Sandy, no need to be exhaustive. What's getting you excited nowadays? Yeah, no. So happy to answer with some numbers, but out of our latest early stage fund, 
15% of the companies are in clean tech. So oh. we have a waste, waste management marketplace. We have a uh, renewal and electricity marketplace. And we invested into a team, uh, former CFO of Nubank and former CEO of 99 that are building this carbon sequestration platform. So amazing to see the smartest people in Latin America going after that challenge. We, we've been seeing a lot of very interesting crypto uh, companies that really tackle fundamental problems in Latin America. So we recently announced our investment into Dollar App. This, were, this was a team from like Spain and the US who used to work at Revolut and they decided the best thing that they could do was build like a, a USDC neobank in Latin America. So very, very interesting trend. Then we are investing a lot into healthcare, B2B financial services. So yeah, there's innovation all around. And I think that something worth particularly excited about is biotech. And in terms of biotech, Latin America has like very relevant stake of agriculture production. So a lot of innovation is coming from here. We invest into a Chilean company that is fighting like bacteria with phagocytes, with biology, and is working with poultry producers. So very, very exciting times in terms of new technologies emerging. Thank you, Sandy. Marcelo, what about bonuses? I think overall very aligned with everything that Santi and Isabel mentioned. We are we try to build point of views, but to educate ourselves and to learn enough that we can meet a founder, we avoid being specialists of anything because this is the moment that we say no to good opportunities. But I think overall, we have done a lot of interesting things on B2B, both B2B fintech, we see a, a huge opportunity. The past, a lot of things happened on B2C. Now B2B, there are a lot of interesting things. We have done a lot of B2B marketplace, pretty much almost like seven, eight B2B marketplace in the last few years. Uh, on top of that, as Santi mentioned, crypto, a lot of interesting companies, uh, a lot of smart founders trying to use the crypto technology to innovate in Latin America. On top of that, I think clean tech uh, is also an interesting area that we are spending a lot of time meeting amazing ideas and amazing founders. Uh, I think it's just the beginning. A lot of things will come out of that. And, and still connected with the B2B, I think, software enterprise. I think there is a new trend happening in Latin America. I think COVID happened, helped a lot to help the company to digitalize. But it's still a gap. So in the U.S., an average company will buy like 150 softwares. In Latin America, it's like 12. So there is still a huge gap. It's very hard to go to market. But if we see companies like Nowports or Flash and several other examples in all our portfolios, there is a, a very interesting trend happening. That makes sense. And yeah, you had referred to that in the beginning, saying that you're seeing more and more companies just contracting software companies, right? That's, of course, we, we, we love that ecosystem in, in Latitude. Just to cap things off here, we started saying, okay, how has the ecosystem and the market changed in the last 10 years? If you had to think in very simple ways, like how you see the, the, the market and the, the ecosystem evolving in the 10 years, what are for you the key drivers? Like, is it founder supply? What is it? If you want to start, Bell? Yeah, of course. Um, well, I'll go back to our hypothesis that I meant that I shared early on why we started Canary. First, talent. So we saw a lot of talented people flowing to tech uh, careers, either taking the risk and starting their own company or joining teams. We see that in a very like 
that that increased a lot. So we're so excited with the new wave of founders and you know founding teams that we're seeing. So that's one of the main pillars for us. So again, future we see that increasing. So that that's really exciting. The second pillar is capital. We shared a little bit here that uh, we are um, we we're seeing more relevance to 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 global funds to invest in Latin, which means that. Uh, there are more, literally, more players uh, coming here and uh, taking the chance here too. So that means more capital. And I think the third one, um, and I invite you all to stay for Julio's and Anna's presentation of the Atlantic Report, uh, are opportunities. Latin is a fertile soil for opportunities. Um, you don't have to build a Tesla company here to, to have an amazing company and to actually change industries. So for us, those three pillars uh, are still, they, they remain the same, but they've, uh, they've become stronger, I think. So I'm very, very excited for the, la- the, the next five, 10 years of, uh, of the market. Thanks, Belen. Thanks for being here. Sandy, you're in year one of CASEC. How does year two look? Or how, how do you hope, it to, you hope that the ecosystem will look? It's binary. Uh, no, first, thanks, Brian. Thanks, Tommy. It was amazing to be here. Incredible event. Love feeling the energy after those many years looking at my wall at home. So really, really glad to see this type of event. We were doing with Marcelo this same talk to 500 real estate brokers in Connect Movie with Viva Real <laughs> in 2007. I think it's happening today. Yeah. I think that what's still missing in Latin America it's more success case, more, more success cases. Like we had Mercado Libre and I don't know, in, in Kasek is in a way part of the continuation of that story. Uh, we now have Nubank. We have the local that Sergio was here, a few other XP, but we need companies that really, really build these large independent platforms that can become eventually school for founders that really know how to scale businesses all the way. They can become acquirers of other tech companies, as you see, like Amazon and, and Google and Facebook doing in the U.S. I think that uh, as the companies that we have collectively invested in continue maturing, and we are really like still in the infancy of the ecosystem. Whenever we have like 10, 15, 20 large independent companies, I think things will evolve to a different phase of the ecosystem. There will be much more capital, much more founders. The opportunities are there. We, we live here and every day our life is painful. I don't know, like paying for a taxi, even with big, it's still like, there's still a lot of things to resolve. I was thinking of this, like paying on e-commerce today, 2022, it's a nightmare. Like if you don't have your Mercado Libre account, you go to a new site, you need to be writing your credit card. It's the most hackable thing in the world. You two invested in Juno, for instance, yeah, yeah, addressing yeah. that. Yeah. No, many, many examples. We still have not solved anything. Like, uh, yeah. uh, buying and selling homes, it's evolved, but it's still, everything needs to happen. So the problems are there. We need the people and the people, we need the ecosystem. And those ecosystems have come from great companies and a lot of success cases. Endeavor did this amazing survey a few years ago that show a little bit of this. So we think that we need to evolve to adolescence and adolescence means like 10 great companies that are already profitable, are already independent, are already public at work class and we'll get there. Yeah, we're it, completely convinced. In a way, it's still early for Meli, for Nubank, for Rappi, for the local. Like we know that a lot of value accrues after IPO. So hopefully that, that keeps uh, impacting the ecosystem. Marcelo, we have two minutes. Uh, you probably need to go 
have some rest, but no, even if you have to take a few more minutes, what, what would you say the next 10 years look like in Latin for you? What are the main drivers? Very aligned with, with Santi. I think we need more successful case. I think the, the VC market in the US took 40 years to develop, even more. Our model is more similar to China. That was more like 15, 20 years, way faster. And an element part of that is successful case. And this is connected to liquidity. So I think we already have amazing founders. There's capital. There's the market. But at the end of the day, some investors, they have less, less patience, especially downstream capital. So we, and, and we are very close. If you look in all the portfolios that we have and other funds, probably like there are like 20 or even more companies that are on track for IPOs. And this is going to be very important for the next wave of tech in Latin America. Because this whole cycle, when you have the liquidity, you bring more talent people, you bring even more capital. We start to have the mafia, like the rapid mafia, the other kinds of mafias. So we're very excited. But I think this next three, four years will be very important to have concrete case. Like the beginning, the middle, and especially the end, not the end, but start to have this liquidity that will show there is possible. It's already a lot of companies like Nubank, Mercado Livre, and others showing there is possible, but we have to need, we need more of this case, like in China. And we are there. It's, I think the correction in the market probably pushed the, the finish line like a few kilometers ahead of us, but we're very close and, and the pipeline is there, both of talent. So I think the next years in Latin America will be very promising years. Amazing. Yeah. And we agree a lot to it, of course, like, especially on the quality of the founders coming out of all the companies you've been investing for many years. Uh, so thank you for being here, three of you. Appreciate the time. You're busy. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Thanks well. Thanks, Thank you for listening to the Latitude Podcast. Val Galera, Marcelo Lima, and Santiago Fosati. Take it from their chat during the Valmos Latam Summit. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast for more talks with great mentors and investors like them. I'm your host, Brian Reckworth. Valmos Latam. See you in the next episode.